Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Riftwalkers. If you like what we do, be sure to check out some of our other stuff on flashfantasypodcast.com. Like our show, The Skeleton Crew, and some other interesting stories, everything you can find there. And if you think that we're doing a great job, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash flashfantasy. And now on to Riftwalkers. Last time, our intrepid party of adventurers had made it safely to an island after a fierce battle in Vale's realm with unknown ships. They had been adopted into the crew of Captain Kelnies Metza, a Mazkin adrift in these seas. Now, as she split the party, sending one northward and one southward along the beach to explore this phantom island that they've landed upon, each group comes to a head. The first, led by Kelnias's quartermaster, Tekes. Two other kin, Val and Efron, stand at the bottom of a long pathway cut from the natural trees and jungle that surround them on all sides. At the top, is a fierce beast of orange and brown scales standing out from the green foliage around it. It gives a mighty roar and then charges down the pathway toward them. The Franz is going to jump out of the way. <laughs> I think that's probably wise. Val will do the same. <laughs> Lead the way, Fran. We like the initiative. So as you both duck out of the way of this charging beast, the closer it gets to you, it actually comes to a complete stop as you hit the bushes around you and kind of poke your heads up looking at it. You see that this monster is not alone. In fact, there's a figure, a tall figure, maybe even Elvkin in nature, riding atop it. Take us and the other kin that are with you step out tentatively from the bushes and whatnot, holding their weapons aloft. So from the top of this large beast, uh, you see, you know, s sitting tall, swinging a very large glaive. You know, glaive's already a large weapon. He's a large being, hence an even larger glaive than normal. And he just says, Stand fast, you! You think that you can get away from me? Come out here! You, in the bushes, come out as well! Take us and the other kin are taken aback, and you see that they're pretty unresponsive at first, kind of just trying to catch their bearings, like figure out who is this? What, he's, he's addressing us. And I, I assume you're speaking Kinlish. I am speaking Kinlish. And you see, having everyone having seen an Elfkin, they know they're big guys. This guy's big for an Elfkin. Like he's humongous. He's closer to eight feet than seven feet. He was what you might call as broad chested or barreled. He looks very strong, but one would not say he was cut. He's a little bald, but with a gigantic beard. He's 
horrifically scarred all over, but it's it just kind of works for him. It works okay. You're sure there's worse stuff underneath. His nose has been broken a couple of times, and he's looking gruff. He is currently in about half-plate armor, wielding this gigantic glaive, but you do notice a couple of things. One, he is not sitting on this beast with any sort of, like, created saddle. You know, it's not like he's he doesn't have a saddle. He's bareback. Yeah, he's, he's, he's rocking bareback here. And two, with him, he does have a couple of supplies with him. You see, like, a couple of extra supplies. There's a sword and a shield and all these things. But um, he is old. Even the elfkin on the ground can notice that this guy is closer to death than he is to being born. One might even say he's nearing the end of the natural elfkin cycle. Okay, this is just a quick question, which I think is very important. Sure. Does he have, like, a sweet gourd or something that he, like, can drink out of? You know, that's tied with, like, ropes? It's like... Yeah, it's slung um, around his side. Yeah. So he's, he keeps it on him because he knows the value of water. Or I guess it could be also just be, like, a jug. No, it's a gourd. It's actually a very it's a it's a gourd and b it's a huge gourd. This isn't like a, <laughs> like this isn't this isn't some you know ceremonial decorative gourd you're throwing on your table at Thanksgiving. And standing up uh, as you know they're kind of taken aback by this, um, you actually see this person jump off of this beast. Like he doesn't even step down. He literally throws. He jumps off and he just comes storming up at like a determined walk up to the three of them. There are three correct. Ryan? There are three kin, and then have Val and Efron moved from the bushes? Well, he didn't wait for them to come out. <laughs> so he storms up to those three kin, and he says, Good gosh, sons! You stand here, you think, to threaten me with that? You fix your form! And he, like, pushes this guy, and he's kind of, like, shoving him, getting him to a better stance, and he shoves the other one, and he's like, I've seen better soldiers on the first day of boot camp. You're an absolute disgrace to your kind and your nation. Oh my gosh, I've seen better discipline inside the bottom of a sewer! The rats pay better attention than you. You, put your sword in your hand correctly. Are you kidding me? Oh, goodness. Who are these people you are with? And he turns towards the bushes where Ephron and Val still are. He didn't get a good look at him prior to the jumping into the bushes bit. I mean, if if Ephron and Val make themselves visible, you would recognize Val as an Elveret, and you would recognize Ephron as an Americ human pretty easily. Ephron goes ahead and makes himself visible. Val will follow Efron's lead. But he also rolls his eyes mega big because, you know... The size of that gourd. The, yeah, he, <laughs> after seeing the gourd, he rolls his eyes. <laughs> it's just excessive. Well, upon seeing Efron, he turns back to the three elfkin with a look of absolute disgust and just... You in trouble with this barbarian? Have you no shame? A human? Was you proud elfkin? Ah. And you Bob Bowden, have your name? He's saying this in Kinlish, so if you don't speak Kinlish, he's just jabbering. Uh, no, I, I mean, I'm picking up bits and pieces. Basically, just barbarian, human, name. And if Ron can put two and two together based on uh, your demeanor, he says, Name. Efron. Name. Lerach. Colonel Lerach. What's it to you? Huh? <laughs> lay rots. Lay It's like lay rots, but you're gonna say lay with the a e thing, and the s t s at the lay end rots. is that. At this point, Takes has gathered his wits about him, and he steps between Efron and Lay and he says, "Come, come yourself. We are all friends here. 
There is no need for this commodity. Please, settle down. Hmm. Very well. It has been a long time alone. I am not quite as used to dealing with people, much less barbarians like this one, as maybe you are. What are you doing here? He is not a barbarian. You would have me believe that after 400 years of war, I wouldn't know a barbarian when I see one? I would expect exactly that. Is there a common human tongue that one who is fighting them might choose to learn overall? Fellish. You speak Fellish right now. Yeah. Yeah. Franz speaks everything. Well, all the human languages. (laughs) All of the human languages. Then turning to Franz, after hearing this a long sigh, he turns, speaking in a fairly broken Fellish. Like, he can talk, and you can hear, and you can understand, but he's definitely not saying it right. Um, like grammatically it's weird and all this stuff and it's really trying taking a lot from Kinnish news. Do you have something to say, sir? No. No. Well, do you speak anything other than Felish? Any of the human tongues? Unfortunately, no, I do not. Oh. Then I will tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is nothing I wish to say to you. I do not have a problem with you. If you do not have a problem with me. Well, sir, to be honest, I haven't fought many of your kind, so maybe there can be an accord. Though those who are at war with us, I have no time nor patience for. You of the golden skin have not been oft seen on the battlefields of the war. No, Perhaps we can reach an accord. We are mostly merchants. I think that would, that would be most agreeable if we could come to an understanding. So I propose you do not try to harm us and we will not try to harm you. And we can proceed as friends. Master Lerots, if I may interject here, how long have you been on this island? Honestly, I don't know. I would have guessed about six months. I was fighting there on the front in the glorious battle, went in, leaving to rest at my camp one day and then woke up here in this strange world on this island. Damned cursed place it is, but uh, here I am. Since then, I've tried to count the days, but once or twice, until I tamed this one here, and he points toward the giant lizard creature, till I tamed this one here, it was uh, quite a bit hairy. Thankfully, with my steady glaive and sword arm, never slipped too far from your weapons, lads. I've been able to keep myself strong and safe. Now with him, everything is good. Everything is fine. Come, come, boy. And he gestures towards the giant lizard and he starts pat, like after it kind of stumbles up, starts giving it like a nice pat on the head. And you see him take a swig out of the gourd and then he actually offers it to the lizard as well. What battle did you say you fought in? The sixth battle of Thrax Pass, of course. Perhaps it would behest you to speak with our captain upon uh, our return to the beachhead. Uh, If run, well, perhaps... The two of us, and he points, gesturing to the kin with him, will continue on this path and see what is left to explore in the valley. And you and this new one. And he just, like, gives a side-eye to uh, Lerotz. Why don't you go and speak to Captain Kalnias? I think that that would be, well, reasonably agreeable. Can I insight check him? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I want to see if he's planning anything shady. 16. 
It does not look like Takas has any... That he's trying to conceal any of his intentions. So... Okay. He's telling the truth, as far as you know. Sounds good. Um, Ifran, Takas is suggesting that we go with our new friends down to speak with the captain. And they will continue looking around. And leave Takas completely unguarded? <gasps> yes, that will be fine, Val. <laughs> did Ifran gain some serious uh, sass in the last episode? Did I miss There that? was just a little bit of friction between Tekas and Ifran last episode. Ifran worshipped Tekas. There was friction between Tekas and everyone last episode. <laughs> All right. Well, as you, the three of you begin your way back, let's flash over to the other group. So we have Lyrian and Reese. Who and some random kin and some <laughs> and some unnamed kin, a red shirt, who you just heard this sort of roar not too long ago from you know sort of the other side of the island as is, and where you currently are, there is a bit of brush in front of you, and then it opens into a very wide dry riverbed that is sort of interspersed with more rocks and sand. Uh, Lyrian, did you just hear that? I think most things on this island heard that. It sounded rather large. And Reese just kind of pats him on the shoulder. <laughs> I just want to make sure. I can't tell if I'm going crazy these days. I say we should probably head towards the source of that sound. The others could be in trouble. I I think it might be wise to get Mick first. Oh, right. I'm a bit disoriented right now. Yes, let's let's go fetch Mick, and then we'll head in that direction. Mick would is probably over here in this direction. Very well. After you. Then Lyrian starts leading Reese and this other kin downriver, as it were. A ways downriver in this dry riverbed, Mick and Medic, after hearing this screech across the island, have just come face to face with a large abandoned water mill that stands on the edge of this, you know, dry riverbed. It's overgrown with moss and vines and all sorts of creeping jungle things, but seems mostly intact. Well, look at that. Uh, what do you think, Medic? Do you think that we should explore it? I don't know why someone would be on the island. Well, neither do I. It seems like a nice hospitable place. Perhaps we'll go in and see some dwarves or something. Let's go. Medic gives you a puzzled look, but follows after you if you start to go into the watermill. Mick does. As you step inside, like I said, it's mostly intact. The roof is, however, all gone. Whatever bits of wooden shingle that used to be there have completely rotted away. Only the stone framework remains. And inside, you see a pretty harrowing sight. In one of the corners is lumped piles and piles of bones. And these aren't ancient. These seem to be fresh. Not like picked out of the body yesterday, but maybe picked clean from all their flesh a few days ago, or over the course of a few days leading up to now. There's a large imprint right in the middle of the water mill's like, main room, where it seems something created a nest of some sort. 
bits and pieces of grass and twigs just lining the outside of this pressed down space where something lay. Okay, Mick is going to investigate and also wants to kind of do this without being seen. Mick's also going to turn to Medic and say, Medic, I I think it's just best if you stay out here and, and keep watch just in case whatever made that nest comes back. Medic glances inside and then draws her sword and just gives you a nod. So as you're moving inside, roll stealth for me if you want to remain pretty undetected. Yes. 23. All right. And then you want to take a look around anything in particular? So what I see currently is the nest and then also the pile of bones, right? Yes. Okay, I'm going to look a little around the nest and see if I can see anything there, maybe burrowed in there or something, or around it. For sure. Roll survival for me. Oh my heavens. Okay. (laughs) Nine. Okay. So as you're kind of poking around the nest, it's a little difficult to see what made this. If you'd like to investigate a little further i'll let you do a nature check but it'll have disadvantage okay that's why i'll do that 12 so as you're taking a look at this nest and its construction it's obviously a not a bird-like creature you can find paw prints not footprints like specifically the pads of a paw and a large one about as big as your head or some of them even double the size. But whatever it is seems to, you can surmise, have six or so legs, it looks like, just from the different patterns you're able to observe. But what exactly it is, or anything about it past that, is yet unknown to you. Okay, I think I'm done with the nest. Can I look around a little more is it just the pile of bones or anything is there any belongings or anything from people past or something like that you see actually separate from the pile of bones is a pile of cloth and metal scrap maybe the clothing or the equipment of anyone that came before and was gobbled up okay i'm wondering if i'm thinking I want to look a little bit at that. Is there anything of note in that pile? or Just from a passing glance, it's hard to tell. However, as you're sort of taking a step over to investigate further, you hear a little psst behind you, and you see Medek poking her head through the open doorway and said, and she goes, Something is coming. We better get out of here. Quick, run! And then I run. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, you just bolt out. Um, I do it very stealthily. Remember that 23 I rolled? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that doesn't persist forever. Okay. <laughs> and especially not running. <laughs> okay, I quickly tiptoe out of that place. <laughs> okay. So as you tiptoe out of the watermill, you hear a low growl from across the riverbed and as you and medic look that way in this deeper brush you see a set of three large yellow glowing eyes staring out at you however simultaneously glancing upriver, 
you see Reese, Lyrian, and this other kin just come around a corner and start to approach you. Oh, okay. Um, do they see me and Medic? You can see each other, yes, but from your point of view, you can guess that they probably can't see this creature across the way. Okay, and Mick, uh, upon seeing this, puts an index finger to their mouth very sharply, as if to say, don't talk, be silent. Reese is going to look around the area to see if he can figure out why Mick is being so weird. From your current vantage point, you don't see anything of note. Okay, then he keeps walking, but a little bit more cautiously. Lyrian, he's walking cautiously as well, but he looks to Reese. Maybe it was that creature that we heard. Yes, perhaps. Quickly, let's try to get as close to them as possible. We progress forward towards Mick and Meta. So, we're going to flash back to the others real quick. The other party, Efron, Val, and now Lerotz, are working their way back through the forest toward the beach where they came from. Is Lerotz still on... Are you still on your mount? Or have you abandoned your lizard? No, he is He is walking. And if we are going to give a moment for conversation on this journey, he will speak. If not, he will remain quiet so as not to waste time. Nope. You have, you have a moment to speak to each other. All right. Well, he's going to turn over to uh, Val. Ah, Elvis, are you? It's been a long time since I've seen one of your kind. Now you are a skinny lad now, aren't you? <laughs> what brings you to these parts? Especially with such uh, interesting company who you seem to defend. Well, it, it is a, a very long story. I don't, I don't wish to deprive you of it necessarily, but um, I was at a party and then uh, a lot of things happened and now I am here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out to a party or two in my day that ended that way. You wake up the next morning, don't even know how you got there. Oh, oh good lad. And he gives a solid thump on the Val's back. Like, <laughs> Val, Val trips a little bit. <laughs> he's just, ah, ah. Oh, it's been a long time since I've had some good company. And then trying to extend an olive branch toward uh, Ifran and again, Broken Fellow, she just says, And you, lad, what brought you into the company of this chair? Everett, a rare brew they are these days. And Efron, not really having uh, paid too much attention to the previous conversation as it was in Kinlish, Efron turns to Lerotze and says, Well, you see, we were at this party and then many things happened and now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> but I assume you remember those things then, huh? Uh, yes, I do. But there were quite a lot of things that happened in between then and now. Uh, the most important things that have happened is we touched some sort of magical stone on Egadon, which I am sure you are familiar with. Oh, yes, Egadon. Yeah. I love the place. I wish you humans would get off of it, but uh, well, here we are. <laughs> well, we are going to have to do some work examining your prejudices, aren't we? Uh, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, Efron, uh, you know, Efron is a... Uh, he, he's he's warming up a little bit. He's still a little, uh, you know, he's still a little peeved from uh, Tecas. But <laughs> uh, La Rosa does not seem to be quite as much of an a-hole. So, um, <laughs> so Fran tells him a little bit, gives him the highlights of how they got from the ball back in Almoran and some of the things that have been happening. And so he's, now he's coming to the end of his story. 
And now we are here searching for the shards of Eamon. Perhaps you being one so well acquainted with uh, this island, with Vale's realm, you would know where to find it. Shards of Eamon, you say? Yes, yes. Well, unfortunately, I know nothing about the sort. Nothing of the sort, indeed. My time here is spent mainly hunting, uh, taming this old boy here. Uh, what a good boy you are. And, oh, uh, you know, occasionally killing the odd person who comes by trying to kill me. Not so much of a fan of that last action, you know. I, Well, I'm all for killing. I like the honor of the battlefield. Standing your enemy straight in the face. Oh, too often here in these parts they try to stab you in the back. That's a true disgrace. True disgrace, sir. But you, you're for a barbarian. You seem like a decent enough fellow. I have nothing to stab me in the back with, and that, uh, for that I am grateful, sir. I'll try to avoid the same for you. If Ron does give a little chuckle, yeah, he laughs a bit, and he says, Thank you, that is most kind, friend. Oh. Well, it's, it's like my mother always said. She raised me, you know, in the, in the army, she found the camp, and she always said, Look, son, you might be fighting barbarians your whole life. These humans don't quit. But always remember, even barbarians can have a couple of good apples. So, uh, well, the bunch is already ruined, but if I can find a good apple and you, sir, seem like a good apple, I'll take him under my wing, keep him safe, you know how it is. You're always going to give people a chance. They don't try to stab you, it's just a good start. Unfortunately, the last 900 barbarians I saw, they tried to stab me. I ended up chopped in half and two by this bad boy. And he swings around his glaive a little bit. Val is just shaking his head. (laughs) Well, toward, uh... Toward Val, um, he said, "Re-examining your prejudices." I did. <laughs> and so he turns. He turns to Val and he says, "And I've got your comment before. Look now, far be it for me to say that one man must think only one thing. But he, after four hundred years of fighting, I can tell you one thing: one, humans suck at it. Two, humans only deserve to be either dead or a good fellow like this one here. Him, well, keep him alive. You know what I mean? He gives again a little jostle. <laughs> you know what I kind of knocks Bell over with his arm." <laughs> like, this one, he seems like he's worth keeping around. And that friend of yours, he seemed like a mighty decent fellow, sacrificing himself and all. That's a good one. That uh, one of you barbarians as well. Was he a proper elfkin? I'm not entirely sure I even follow what you are saying. Um, he just, that was, I was assuming that Luca's death was part of the highlights. Oh, yes, it was. He was referring to Luca. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree for now. Um... <laughs> Val just kind of like looks at Efron like I don't know what to do about this <laughs> so tell me Lorotza I have heard you throw out the word the barbarian once or twice or perhaps even 20 times but um... <laughs> I, I would definitely wager it's closer to 20 <laughs> now here is a question for you now of course how can I help you uh, more of a hypothetical situation oh, you see huh? now I know many humans who, the, who think that the kin are the ones to be feared and the ones to be stamped out. Now, I try to bring, bring peace to people and make the world a better place. But my question is, who is the true barbarian then? The kin or the humans? Because both sides say the other is a barbarian. Perhaps we are all barbarians. Well, I, 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 it's an interesting point you bring up, but I think the answer is quite simple. The humans are the barbarians. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why in three short steps. One, you there, man of the You people generally have a little bit of the hokey pokey with you, don't you? Let me see. Give me your best shot. And he gestures kind of like a zinging his hands out as if you were casting magic. 
you you want me to cast a spell? <laughs> uh, you saying it's good enough? I'm sure this uh, this young lad's seen you with my time too. So first, the greater connection to the great power of Agadon. Two, you poor beings, much live a century. Maybe if you're lucky. Now I'll tell you, four hundred years, five hundred. Sorry. 450 years, that is. It's hard to remember these days. 450 years have taught me a couple of things, and I've learned more than you could forget. That sounds quite impressive. <laughs> it would if you said it the right way. It's I've forgotten more than you could learn. <laughs> but And three, and most important, you know, some things just need to be compared by physical size. And everyone knows that the size of your head shows how smart you are. Just look at the size of my head and the size of yours. So by your logic, then... Your mount is the most knowledgeable of us. Indeed. If only he could tell us something. It would be the perfect world. He knows everything that is to know. The only issue? No opposable thumbs. Can't grab anything. <laughs> would you believe that one time I saw him clawing at my glaive trying to protect my back when I only had my sword? The poor thing couldn't pick it up off the ground. He was there and ready. I've never seen a better battle stand. His balance was perfect. Would it not be more intelligent for him to use his teeth? <laughs> Lad, have you seen my glaive? Hold this. And he hands this glaive. This is like immensely heavy. Oh, no. <laughs> so he hands this over to you. And like, so he like, he like hands the glaive over to you and he says, Now imagine that. What is this poor boy's teeth? And he pulls open like, you know, he like exposes the teeth. And you just see a mouthful of molars. And he says, This young lad here. What? He couldn't fight something if he tried. The crushing power is there, but it only crushes leaves. Well, I didn't say more powerful. I said more intelligence. Please take your glaive back. <laughs> oh, of course. And he snatches it out of the hands and he slaps it onto the side. Like there's a little, you can see there's a couple of loops that he like slides it into on the side of his gigantic lizard. And he says, huh? the biggest problem with this boy here is you got to keep him well fed and well watered. That thing will go through gallons, boys. And he chugs over and he opens up his gourd again, takes a swig, offers it to the lizard, getting all that lizard saliva on it, and then turns and offers it to Val. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, but no thank you. Oh my. <laughs> no, Val, you should take it. Perhaps you will grow as big as Lerotza. It's hard. And as wise, too. Ifran, I don't think the drinking <laughs> lizard spit is going to make me taller. It, that was a joke. Oh. <laughs> and then he says, But it might have been a joke, but a very good idea. And you, lad, would you like a swig? You look like you could use some meat on your bones. Yes, if friend drinks the lizard spit. <laughs> you see, I am quite comfortable with my height. I have made peace with my height a long time ago. I do not need to be any taller. But, and nor do I wish to be any wiser. Um, <laughs> If only all the barbarians could be like you and understand their place in this world, the war would be over. Oh, good man. And you see him, lizard spitting all, take another swig before <laughs> stopping it, holding it to his side. And he's walking along and he's like humming a tune, almost jolly as they walk. All right. That's a good enough moment as any to flash back up. <laughs> <laughs> what a whirlwind that was. <laughs> to, the, uh, to the other part of the island. Where Reese, Lyrian, and Akin are approaching Medek the Lookout and Mick, just outside of a small watermill on a dried-up riverbed in the middle of the jungle. 
have we met up with Mick yet, or are we still traversing the terrain? You're maybe 30 feet away. Okay. So we're just walking towards Mick. So Medek is kind of hanging on to Mick's arm, and she gives you a little tug, and she points out into the brush across the way, and you see that this creature that has been snarling at you starts to emerge from the underbrush. Thick black fur on a sort of snub-nosed snout, revealing itself in these three large eyes. And so we can see this now, right? If you were to look where they're looking, yes, you would see it immediately. Okay. I whisper as stealthily as I can to Medic, and I say, Okay, you and I are going to walk away from this as silently as possible. Follow my lead. And then I do one of the eye things, you know, where you, like, point to your eyes and you point to them. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> there you go. She, she, like, holds you, and she's like, Silently won't do anything. It knows we are here. Oh, goodness. What do we do? Um, at this point, Reese and Lyrian, you're kind of within range to where you can also spy the head and front paws of this beast that have emerged from the brush. And are we on the other side of it from them then? Like we're kind of coming up from behind it or are we basically both in front of it? No, you're both in front of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, as soon as Reese catches a glimpse of it, he's going to whip his sword off of his face. Every time you say something like that, I'm just imagining that he has, like, this sword embedded in his head. (laughs) (laughs) You know? That's that's his gimmick, right? He's, like, Frankenstein's monster or something. But he's got just, like, this big sword stuck in his head, and he just takes it out whenever he wants to fight. So, yeah, Reese is now in battle stance, still working his way over towards... Mick and Medic. Okay, so I obviously know that the creature was growling at us. What is its disposition currently? The closest thing that you would equate this to would be some sort of large cat. And it does seem to be sort of hunched in the front. Like, you can see its shoulders move pretty intensely with each step it takes. So it is in a sort of stalking or ready-to-pounce position. So Lyrian also did react when he saw the beast. He already had his bow out, but he uh, he grabbed an arrow from his quiver just in case. As he kind of taps Reese and says, I think it might be best if we try to leave. It, it does seem like it's ready to attack, but if we can get away, it seems like it would be to our advantage. And then all of a sudden, from behind you, you hear this huge, and the birds and the trees go flying, and the leaves get all rustled and everything, and this creature just turns and darts back into the forest from whence it came. And standing behind you is the kin that was with Reese and Lyrian. He's holding aloft this matchlock pistol, just pointing it straight up into the air, this huge cloud of smoke just surrounding him, slowly dissipating. And as he lowers it and walks past Reese and Lyrian over to Mick and Medek, he just says in the most broken fellish you've ever heard, Time to go. Well, that works. <laughs> <laughs>